All right. Awesome. Okay, so I, uh, I, will, I will unpack what I want to say as I go along, but it's a, a fairly meaty topic, so prepare yourselves for a sermon that won't be uh, light, but it's going to be a topic that I feel is relevant for the whole church. In fact, uh, before, I, before I say that, the, all the, the elders throughout the church and the apostolic and the prophetic all feel like this is the message for the church at the moment. And uh, they've asked us to preach it into every congregation. And so over the period of the next month or so, every congregation will get a similar message. And we're talking to something which is very important for the life of the church at the moment. Okay. So before I get to that, uh, often I'll have thoughts going through my mind. I am a classic overthinker. And uh, you give me any topic, and people often go like, okay, I'm going to ask you something, don't overthink it, and then inevitably I do, and I think and think and think, and I try to think through every iteration of what that will be, and often when I'm, I'm thinking through a thought, I try to distill that thought down into two or three lines that then make sense to me, and I can go, okay, cool, this, this is what I'm thinking, this is a thought, it's a, almost like a little sound bite, and uh, they come to me at the craziest times, the one I'm about to share with you came to me while I was going down an escalator in Cavendish Square, okay? So God is in Cavendish Square somewhere. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is in Cavendish Square. But it said this, it says, many Christians would rather sit under the teaching of 10 people who will never give an account for their soul than one pastor who will. <laughs> okay, so I'm setting a bit of the tone. It says, many Christians would rather sit under the teaching of 10 people who will never give an account for their soul than one pastor who will. See, we're living in this age of social media where you can go online and you can find any number of teachers to tell you actually what you want to hear. And I want to talk a little bit about that and how I think we should be concerned about that. I think we need to think very carefully how we approach things online and teachings and, and um, media, especially with regards to the church and our spirituality. Okay, so we're all on the same page. And uh, so I want to go through three or four points. Roles, responsibility, risks, and resources. Okay. Like a good Baptist, they're all with R's, alliteration. I mean, come on, I'm winning already. Roles, responsibility, risks, and resources. And so we know in the church, we all have roles to play, right? I hope we all know that, that we're a, um, a body of believers, a priesthood of all believers. And so we all have a role to play in this local church and in the wider church. And for some of us, that is, as we saw tonight, Rosie and the team leading worship. That's an incredible role. Or for others, it's, it's coming and serving or, or leading community groups or, or whatever your role is in a church, we all have one. And it's important that we all know that. We're all part of the body, right? And I, I, hope, we all, I hope we all know that. I'm not just going, well, there's certain people who do certain things and I'm just going to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And we heard a few weeks ago that actually, if, if we, Paul says, if I stay, it means fruitful labor for all of us, the whole church, not just a select few. But also in the life of the church, there are specific roles. And in Scripture, we read about elders and deacons. And we also read in Ephesians 4 about the apostles and, and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors. Important roles and responsibilities in the life of the church, the, the wider church and then the local church. And I want to read that passage again in Ephesians 4, 
We all know it well, but let me just read it again because I, I want to set a bit of context in what this passage is saying and the role and responsibility of those leaders in the life of the church. Okay, so Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed about by waves and carried around by every wind of teaching and by, listen to this, this is incredible, this is scripture. And by the clever cunning of men in their deceitful scheming. <laughs> and we'll get to who those people are. But scripture warns us against them. It says the clever cunning of men in their deceitful scheming. Scheming is you've planned something. This is not just like, I've got a thought and an idea and maybe it'll work. It's not, I've, I've plotted out something in order to trap people and to ensnare them and to deceive them. Huh. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ himself who is the head. From him the whole body fitted together, which is us, and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love through the work of every individual part. Awesome. And so my role in the church and in this church, actually my role in Josh Jen is an elder. I am part of Andrew's eldership team. So as much as I'm part of the local eldership team with Julian and Mike, I'm actually part of Andrew's team. So Andrew came to me one day and said, Dylan, I would like you to be an elder on my team. I was like, I don't know why, but okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> And then he sat with me again over breakfast one day. He's like, Dylan and Hacker, I really feel like God's calling you to lead a church. And I was like, well, okay, Andrew, like, I mean, we're also feeling about it. Hey, man, that's cool. And so we're on his team. He, he, we're on his team, on his eldership team, which is an awesome responsibility and privilege. And actually, and my role as a local shepherd and pastor is to shepherd this part of Josh Jen Church. And so when we get visiting elders, I always say to them, this man is an elder in the life of Josh Jen Church. Receive him as you would receive me. He's an elder. He has the same responsibilities and the same, um, I don't know, this girl's responsibilities. And so what does it look like? I'm just laying a foundation for what I want to say. What does it look like for me as an elder? What do I do? What, am I what does scripture call me to do? Scripture just doesn't say there's some of your elders, and there's qualifications, there are qualifications for elders. If you read in 1 Timothy, qualifications for elders and deacons and the book of Titus, so you can go read those. Those are the qualifications. <laughs> are you reading Titus? Awesome. That is a qualification for elders. So at the very minimum, in order to be an elder, you need to go through that list and go, okay, I think I can, I can tick these off in some sense. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm, 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 I'm doing well in these areas. Okay. But Peter, who was an apostle, says this, and, and I love this. This is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture, actually. It says in 1 Peter 5, 1, 2, 4. It says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. That is under your care, watching over them, 
Not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you. Now, lording over means that I can go, well, I'm an elder, so you must. It is lording my position over you. It says not lording it over those entrusted to you. Do you know that if you're a member of this church and you're in this congregation, you have been entrusted to my care. Now, that should fill me with great... <laughs> it fills me with, with fear, actually. <laughs> it fills me with great fear of God. Going, God, you've entrusted people to me. I mean, I posted a picture of me at 20 years old with a green mohawk the other day. I'm like, Jesus, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> I mean, and I looked very angry in that picture. And I was. I was an angry young man. I was punk rock, man. <laughs> I did. I hated I, I had a lot of anger in me. Smashed the system. I was all about it. And yet, God in his wisdom, 20 years later, goes, I see something in this man I'm going to entrust people to him, to his care. And I take that responsibility very seriously. It says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. <laughs> that will never fade away. <laughs> well, that's a bonus. Or 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I do think in, in society as a whole, there's an epidemic of fatherlessness. And I think in the church sometimes as well, people come in not understanding what a father is, or, or maybe thinking that that's their role and it's not. And so I take this role of being a father and a shepherd and a pastor and an elder in this congregation extremely seriously. And that is my responsibility to watch over this section of God's flock that has been entrusted, along with my fellow elders. I'm not a one-man show. Please never think that. I think it's important to say that before I make any decision of any consequence, I've spoken to my wife, first and foremost. I've spoken to Jules and Shans. I've spoken to Mike and Marie. We've often had meetings and sat and gone, what, what do we think on this thing? I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a free agent going, guys, we're just going to go this way. Hang on. And, and if not in the local eldership, I'm going to guys outside of our eldership. I'm going, what do you think of this? What do you, just give me your perspective. I'm bouncing on people all the time. Because I take so seriously the role that I've got. I, I want to do the right thing for you. And so my role as a teacher and a, a shepherd of God's flock is to help you, to teach you, to grow you, to lead you, to correct you, to rebuke you, to encourage you, and to love you. Love one is awesome. Rebuke, correct. Ah, that's my role. Thanks, Marco. We'll have coffee. Oh, Lushane, okay. <laughs> And so scripture says 
that one day I will give an account of how I've led this congregation. And you will give an account as to how you followed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not all on me. Because <laughs> you know what Scripture says, and I've actually said it quite gently. Scripture says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. 2023, what are you talking about? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they will keep watch over your souls. <laughs> As those who will have to, not will want to, might maybe, will have to give an account. I will stand before Jesus one day and give an account to say, how did you lead this church? Well, I didn't really take it too seriously, God. Like, it was, you know, it was cool. It was fun. I don't want to stand before Jesus and say it was fun to lead his church. I want to say, Jesus, I gave everything. I poured my life out for those people. I really, I, I mean that honestly. I gave everything. Jesus, I hope I did enough. <laughs> I really hope I did enough. Uh, Let them do it with joy and not with groaning. That's my response. I must do this with joy. Not with groaning. For that will not be of any advantage to you. So there's, there's responsibilities here. I'm called to lead you and you're called to follow me. And actually we, we're supposed to be in such a way where it's my life is a joy and your life is a joy and there's no grumbling and we actually we move this thing forward together. Here's something in other words, every church member should take care to submit to the leaders in the church because those pastors and elders will be held responsible before the Lord Jesus Christ for how they kept watch over their souls in their care. Now that doesn't, yes, if you're an elder and you read that and that doesn't do something to you, <laughs> then maybe you shouldn't be an elder. Now, I, I want to say this, is that this passage shouldn't scare us, because by using language of submit and obey, submit and obey it, shouldn't, it shouldn't scare us to think that we will be abused by this passage, because I know that churches use these passages to strong-arm people and heavy-handed tactics to go, you must, or else. And that is not the approach I want to take at all. I don't believe that's what Scripture says at all. And actually, I fear, I, I fear for men and women who abuse the body of Christ. I honestly do. Another thought that came to me was any leader who has lost the fear of God will make himself God. And you look at churches where, where men who have lost the fear of God make themselves God in that congregation and they will do anything they want with that church because they've lost the fear of God. And they're forgetting that one day Christ will come back for his bride. And he says this, he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. <laughs> How do you forget that? How do you forget that and go, I will do whatever I want with these people that I didn't pay for and I didn't die for and my blood wasn't shed for them, but I, I will do what I want with them. Oh my word, woe to you, leader who does that. Woe to you. I fear for you. Not for you. <laughs> for leaders out there who think they can abuse the body of Christ. 
How dare you? <laughs> I get so angry. Righteous anger, please hear me on, hear me on this. Because Jesus says this in Luke 17 too. He says, Jesus says to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks will come, right? He says this, but woe to the one through whom they come. We all will face stumbling blocks, but if there's a person through whom a stumbling block, block comes, woe to them. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and be thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And then Jesus says this in Luke 22, 27, for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Culture says the table, head of the table, obviously. Jesus says, it is not the one who sits at the table, Yet I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves you. I'm a servant leader. I'm not called to lord it over you. But I am called to lead you. And you're called to follow. It's very hard to lead people who don't want to follow. And so... It's my responsibility to shepherd you well, but it's also my responsibility to protect you. Shepherds protect the flock. Think of David, he killed lions and bears, protecting the flock of God. And it's my, my responsibility is to warn and prepare the church against what Ephesians 4 calls the winds of teaching and the clever cunning of men. Because scripture tells us in the last days, that false prophets will arise. What does that mean? Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 9. Then they will deliver you over to be persecuted and killed, and you'll be hated by all the nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away. And will betray and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and mislead many. How many false prophets will arise? Many. And how many will they lead astray? That's scary. It's not just one or two. Many. And then the question becomes, well, what days are we living in if not the last days? So, the last days since Jesus' crucifixion and burial and resurrection have started. And so there have been and there will be, and I think increasingly more, false prophets coming in and trying to deceive people. And so my second, my third point actually is that from the time of Jesus, the church has been at risk of many false teachers and prophets. Matthew 7, 15 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. <laughs> yes, we're getting real, eh? <laughs> 
This is really the realest sermon I've preached in a while. But it's real. I have to warn you of these things. Can't just every week be like, I love encouraging, I love encouraging the church, but there's a reality here of there are people who are trying to deceive the body of Christ. So Jesus says it, and he says it a few times. Peter says this, 2 Peter 2 1. Now there were also false prophets among the people talking about Israel. We read that, I think, in the book of um, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly, again, that thing secretly, introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow in their depravity, and because of them, the way of truth will be defamed. In their greed, these false teachers will exploit you with deceptive words. The long-standing verdict against them remains in force, and their destruction does not sleep. And we go, well, maybe these are people that have come from the outside, and they're just using Christianity as a tool to try and get to me, and they're speaking the language, but they've never actually believed anything they're saying. But Scripture says that they will even deny the master who bought them. Now, we think of Andrew's preaching the, the language of slavery. They were bought with a price. And yet, for greed and selfish gain, they will deny the master who bought them and go on to deceive many people and lead them astray and out of the gospel. It goes on to say in that passage, these men are like irrational animals. This is strong language, eh? This is like, yes, we've gone past like John 3.16 now. <laughs> That's a good passage. That's a fantastic passage. But I mean, we're getting into the meat of it, guys, seriously. Scripture is full of this stuff. It's not like one place where Jesus goes like, hey, there might be oaks who come and try to deceive you. Like, watch out. It's full of it, everywhere. <laughs> These men are like irrational animals, 12. 14 says their eyes are full of adultery. Their desire, is, their desire for sin is never satisfied. They seduce the unstable. They are cursed children. Yes. They are accursed children with hearts trained in greed. <laughs> Yo, I mean, that's, that's, that's really... And so two things I want to pick up on, just as warnings, is to go, and these are maybe the obvious ones, is it talks about greed. It says an elder is not to be a lover of money. And yet these, these false teachers and apostles and prophets are driven by money. And you just need to look anywhere in the church and any number of teachers who all they talk about is money. Money, money, money. Give so you can get. Do this and that. Give me this. I need this. We've had so-called shepherds and prophets running from the country because they've been caught money laundering.
greed, adultery, and we go, well, and this is something maybe we get caught on as well. Well, I saw someone on TV doing a miracle. It must be from God. <laughs> That's contentious. I saw it on TV. My friends, don't believe everything you see on TV. <laughs> please, please, please. And again, I will balance this. I'm not saying everything is bad. But please be very careful. In South Africa, I will use a local context, you get people called miracle actors who will go from church to church and will act out miracles for the congregation to see so that the pastor looks like the man of God and he gets all your money. <laughs> that is not uncommon. Oh, you'll get a, you'll, this, this guy will do a prophecy that looks like a prophecy. It's called Facebook prophecy. That they will have people coming to you before the meeting and talking to you like a friend, gathering all your information, taking pictures, giving it to the pastor, and he comes and he prophesies and says, this, 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 and you go, this guy is incredible. No. He's collecting information. And they put it on TV and you go, this is amazing. Miracles, signs, and wonders. No. Deception. <laughs> Are there miracles, signs, and wonders? Yes. And they're beautiful. But men will use anything to deceive people. And so we, we see these people on TV and we see these ministries and so-called ministries and so we give our money to these thieves and charlatans. And scripture says this about many people like that. People who were bought with a price, who have departed and are, are deceiving many. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, listen to this, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. <laughs> I mean, I wish it would get lighter, but I'm getting, I mean, you know. And so many people are swept up in this stuff. I have to warn you, people are swept up in this stuff. And there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 1.22, which is a fascinating piece of scripture. It says this, it says, you might go, well, I don't believe that stuff, that's, that's, it's fine. I don't actually believe it's fine. But it says this. It says, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. And so there's certain people who will run after miracles and signs and wonders and, those, and they'll run after those people and give themselves to those people. And other people will give themselves to people who, who have the secret knowledge, the secret understanding. I want more knowledge. Give me more information. And that can be the Greek mind. So millions run off wanting more and, and secret. And there's an, any number of teachers you go onto YouTube. The church has never seen this in 2,000 years, what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Just, I promise you, search it. New revelation. New teachings never heard before in the body of Christ. Come to my seminar. Pay me. I'll tell you the secrets of... 
blah de blah blah blah. <laughs> There's a saying, if it's not new, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. And you see, the problem is we go, well, the, the, the body of Christ is under threat. We're being assailed. Ah, what do we do? I'm, a, I'm an innocent victim. Actually, no, it's a, the whole principle of willing buyer, willing seller. These people go after these people because they want to hear what they have to say. They wouldn't be false teachers if there weren't people, if there were people going, I don't want to listen to you because you're false. No, there's millions of people who will follow after them. Because it says in 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time will come when men will not tolerate sound doctrine, but with itching ears they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires. And so they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Come okay, and hurry up now. <laughs> I think I, what I'm trying to say is I think we need to be very careful and discerning in how we approach anything, any teaching, to be honest. And I, let me just hit this because I often hear it. Is, and there is some truth to it, but people will go, well, I'm a mature believer. I can eat the meat and spit out the bones. Has, has anyone ever heard that? Sure. And there is an element of truth to that. I, I do. I do. But, but, but hear me out here. I think there's a flaw to this logic, because if you keep eating fish with bones, eventually you're going to choke on a bone. Now, I was thinking about, who's ever had snook before? <laughs> Mark, I loves it. Snook is an amazingly tasty fish. I love it. Yes, I went to, to the market today, to um, Musenberg Market. They sell smoked snook. Look, <laughs> yeah. like I'm causing Marcus to stumble here. He's like, yeah. <laughs> It's good. But I decided long ago that I, I'm not going to eat that anymore because I couldn't be bothered picking the, the bones out of my mouth all the time. It becomes so tiresome. It's like, ah, oh, another one, ah, oh, and then like, you're choking, and then, and so as a mature believer, you can, and maybe you do, maybe you, you eat this thing, and you, and you spit out the bones, and you, but, it, but it, I, I just got to the point, it's like, I'm not going to read stuff anymore where there's any bones. I just, I used to read a lot of books, and I got to my, I'm so tired of trying to sift through what is right and what is wrong. I can't do it anymore. Because eventually I'm going to, somewhere, somewhere, I promise you guys, I've seen guys way more mature than me. Somewhere, somehow, something's going to get stuck in my throat. And it might be a small teaching that is not that big in the beginning. But you leave that thing there. That thing is going to grow. I promise you. And it's going to get more sore and more sore. And it starts as a little like, oh, that's a, hey, that's cool. And actually, it just builds and it builds until actually, before you know it, you're forming your whole doctrine on that thing. And then what happens is we mature believers, so we eat the meat and we spit out the bones. And we're like, this is cool. I'm going to share this. And you put it on your Facebook profile and you get some baby Christian. He's like, one year in the Lord. And what you're doing is you're giving him a piece of snook full of bones. What is going to happen? Babies don't know how to take bones out of fish. Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. 
Paul says to Timothy, just listen to the caliber of people who we're talking about here. Apostolic people in Scripture, he's saying, watch your doctrine closely. And we're like, well, I'm just going to watch this guy because he has like 5% is good and 95 percent I'm just going to spit it out. Okay. I think we need to approach this thing extremely soberly and with a lot of discernment. And please, I would ask you, if you're a member of this church, please, 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 if you do share, be very careful what you share on social media. Be very careful. Because you can share one clip of one guy you think is cool and you don't know everything that guy's teaching. And before you know it, someone's gone down that road going, this is the best guy I've ever heard and actually you've just sold him down the road to someone who's not worth following. WhatsApp, yeah, 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 WhatsApp is a social media. Now, now, let me balance it quickly. I'm not saying that every single teacher on social media is a false prophet. Okay, please, I'm not saying that. There are, there are, there are good teachers. In fact, where's Dave? Dave? There's Dave. So we had a Deep South coffee on Friday with Derek and Dave and Jules and myself. And Dave was like, we're talking a little bit about this. I always, like, I always drop a few hints of what I'm going to preach. And then I like to get a bit of feedback. So Dave was like, I was like, oh man, like I'm trying to figure out like teachers I would recommend. He's like, okay, Bill. I knew it was coming. I knew it. So I kind of set him up. He's like, give me, give me some teachers you would recommend. I'm not going to tell you now what they are. <laughs> yeah, Vanessa's like, what? You can come speak to me afterwards. I will tell you. Hmm. But he said to me, give me, I don't know what number was. Did you know that I got stuck on three? I was like, oh, I think as far as knowing their ministry, as far as seeing fruit in their ministry, uh, Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits. He says a thorn bush cannot grow a good fruit. I said as far as I can tell and as far as I can discern, these men are worth following. Three people. And I read a lot, man. I read a lot. Maybe, maybe you know more. You can tell me afterwards. But the concern is that people give themselves to teachers and ministries that tell them what they want to hear and make life decisions based on a YouTube clip or Instagram reel. <laughs> and so millions run after false doctrine in the pursuit of knowledge or insight, and they actually make shipwreck of their faith. While the little pastor is on the beach waving a flag going, please don't watch that. <laughs> because we'd rather listen to the guy who's got 10 million views than the little pastor who will one day give an account for how he led you. He's got 10 million views. What have you got? I've, I've got a house in Musenberg. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a wife who loves me. I've been faithful to her. I've got two kids. That's all I've got. <laughs> I've got Wayne Turner. <laughs> True? Who cares if they've got 10 million views? I could care less. I don't care if you've got 50 million views. I don't care. 
If what you're teaching is wrong, you're not worthy of being followed at all. In fact, yeah. Second Corinthians 11 forces this, and this is, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, for if, and bear in mind, this, this always blows my mind, Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he's speaking to the believers and the elders at the same time. He's writing the church, and maybe they've sent him a letter going, Paul, he's struggling with something, and he says this, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, <laughs> do you know that people can preach a different Jesus? Or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is to the first century church. They've got apostles in the church. Paul, he... <laughs> He preaches a gospel and they, and they go, well, this is a different Jesus. We like this one. We're going to go with this one. You put up with it easily enough. And so my quote again, many Christians would rather sit under the teaching of 10 people who will never give an account for their soul than one pastor who will. And now my question to you is this, and it's very practical. When last did you have a question or a thought or, or something you were wrestling with, with Scripture? And when last did you go to, to YouTube first and watch the first five videos before going to your pastor and asking him what he thinks? Because we all do it. <laughs> what is it? Whatever this, I don't know, whatever. I spend a lot of my time thinking through and researching and wanting to know what people are, are thinking and processing so I can give them an answer. I'm not just living my best life and if you come to me, you're like, well, watch this one because he's got a good answer. No, I'm going to give an account. So I need to give you an answer. And then we wrestle through it together. Where we go, what about these resources? Let's look here. What do you think? Okay, okay, cool. Okay, let's do this thing together. Because what happens is the guys come to the pastor and go, I've watched five, ten million videos. This is what I think. And you kind of last on the list. What's your opinion? <laughs> and the pastor's like, I think this. Well, it doesn't really matter. I made up my mind anyway. It's cool, whatever, okay. YouTube told me it's cool. I'm on my way. Oh, for real? Okay, I'm, I'm almost at the end now. And so Paul says this in First Thessalonians. He says, Brothers who are beloved by God, we know that He has chosen you because of our gospel, uh, because of our gospel came to you not only in words but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with great conviction. And that's awesome. It says, just as you know, we lived among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you welcomed the message with, joy of, with the joy of the Holy Spirit in spite of your great suffering. And so Paul's going, we lived among you so that you could imitate us. And what's happened in this digital age is that we've lost, I think we've lost something of that. Where there's people living among you who are worthy of imitating me going, well, it doesn't really matter anymore. We've got elders, deacons, com leaders, amazing mature saints who live among you and are willing to help you to process things. 
And I would encourage you to go to them. We live with you and you watch our lives. Hopefully you see the fruit. Someone said to me this week as well, it's amazing, I love it. He said, I've watched you for two years. See, this is how seriously I take it. I've watched your life for two years and I know I can trust you. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't do anything stupid, that I held the course. And I was like, Jesus, thank you that this person can follow me. Thank you that you've entrusted them to me. I'm going to wrap up. Why am I preaching this? <laughs> it's a very good question. Who asked it? Excellent. Well done. Haka, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> the wife of my youth. <laughs> You're still very youthful, apparently. Okay. So why, why preach this? Uh, I, I said in the beginning that as a church and as a, a team of leaders in the church, there's a very strong feeling that there needs to be a warning against winds of doctrine that can blow through the church. And as your leader, as an eldership across the church, we feel like there's a calling to be very vigilant and to watch over what we listen to and read and share and distribute online, especially in light of where media is at this point. Because it says uh, the role is, is this, that then you will no longer be infants tossed around by the waves and carried around by every wind of teaching and the clever cunning of men in this deceitful scheming. And so as I said, over a hundred elders and wives have got together and gone, this is a real thing that's happening in churches. This is something we need to be very aware of. Because I do think, and I must be honest, often when I'm on, I'm on all the WhatsApp groups in the church, like all of them, <laughs> like when someone starts a new WhatsApp group, like I literally something dies inside of me. I'm like, <laughs> like, can we start the overseer of worship overseers slash worship group? And will you be on it? That would be my privilege and honor. To be <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for thinking of me and including me. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I do love it. I really do. But um, let me tell you a story. So many of you know Milani. She's a, a, prophet, a prophet. We recognize her as a prophet in, in our movement, in the 412 movement. And uh, she's an amazing lady who loves Jesus with everything she's got. And I, I hope we can get her next year. We haven't got her this year, but she came last year. Yeah, last year she came in September with a group of prophetic people. And it was incredible. And she's, yeah, she's a gift. And uh, 15 years ago, we had just joined the church, and uh, Milani and a few of the prophetic voices were feeling this thing of like, we need to close the windows and doors because we feel like there's going to be false doctrine coming through the church. Now, that's quite a thing to say. And then you present that to your leaders and go, guys, I think we need to ask people not to listen or watch anything. Bearing in mind, this is 15 years ago where social media was still quite infants. Please don't read anything outside of our church. And we didn't actually have many resources then. Yeah. I was like, guys, can we just stop reading stuff? 
And as a movement who goes, well, we're, a, we're an apostolic prophetic movement, we go, well, I think we need to take this seriously. And so that was the call. Andrew gets up and goes, guys, I'm feeling like, can we just for a season stop reading other stuff and just focus on, on spending time with Jesus and reading the Bible? I mean, yeah, it's hectic. And what happens a few months later? Who's heard of the free grace movement? Radical grace. Just, I mean, a doctrine that destroyed churches. Destroyed, decimated whole churches. Okay, grace is so amazing, you can do whatever you want. I mean, forget about Romans. Shall we keep on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. But the church wants to hear it. So I can do whatever I want. I can be a carnal Christian, was the, the, the rallying cry of many churches. I can do whatever I want because there's grace. Now, grace is incredible, but don't abuse it. And so that's what happened in the life of the church. And as a church, we are feeling to go, guys, and again, I can't mandate this. I can't come at you and go, you cannot. I can go, in light of what the prophetic, the apostolic, the elders, the teachers, down to the deacons, down to the com group leaders, which I met with two weeks ago, are all feeling. Can we, for a season, just focus, and this is very controversial, very controversial, can we just focus on reading the Bible? Yeah, no, it's hectic. <laughs> For real. Can we just focus on reading the Bible? Can we read one book and listen to one voice, the Holy Spirit? Oh, yes. <laughs> and again, I'm not coming, I'm not coming up going, you, uh, well, uh, like, you have to work this out with Jesus. But I'm t I, personally, I'm taking this seriously. I'm going, if these guys are feeling it and I'm feeling it, I'm, it's not such a big deal for three months. The season is three months to go, you know what? I'm going to focus on reading Scripture. I'm going to read as much as I possibly can and learn as much as I possibly can from Scripture as opposed to reading every... And again, hear me on this. Not every resource is wrong. Okay, uh, please. Don't leave your gang like they think everything else is evil. I'm not saying that. Please, again, I want to reiterate that. But I do believe the call is to put down other things, externals, and to pick up the Bible and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. To come back to basics, to fall in love with the Bible again, to spend our quiet times, our community times, our meetings, our conversations, talking about and getting excited about Scripture. Amen. So community groups now, we will, I will send out a Bible reading plan every Monday. And we can re if you want to read the whole thing in one day, awesome. If you want to just read your own thing, awesome. But we're going to talk about scripture in community groups. So we'll get together and go, what did you learn from this scripture we read? Let's talk about it. Because to be honest, I think, I, think, I think our culture has lost the ability to wrestle with scripture. And to really internalize it. There's something about spending time on a passage of scripture until you know that you know that you know and you've wrestled through it and understood it. And go, okay, cool, I can move on. Well, yeah, I'm not going to say that. And so, um, yeah. 
Let scripture be our guide. The danger here is also that you are hearing what I'm asking you not to do and, what I'm not, and not what I'm asking you to do. Please don't make that mistake. And actually, I think with, in light of false prophets and false doctrine and false apostles, I think the best way to counteract any of those things is to know your Bible well. It is so, I promise you, it is so easy to pick up when someone is twisting Scripture for their own gain when you know Scripture and you know context. Because I promise you, guys will just pick passages out of context and go, well, it says this. I was watching a, a clip recently. Someone sent to me asking for my opinion on it. And he, this person seemed cool. And I was like, okay, well, I'm a, someone's asked me to listen to it, so I'm listening to it. And yeah, it's going. It's giving me the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I was like, no. No, he's, he's made a leap there. That's, it's not biblical. He's just, he, and I don't think he's a bad person. I honestly don't. I think he's just got a lens he's looking for. He's going, if I, just, if I view it this way, I think I can make this work. Because if you know scripture, you go, oh, bro, yes, you're messing with people's lives here. Uh, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a big topic. And he's, he's making assertions, and I'm like, I'm not comfortable making this. All right, now I'm really going to end. <laughs> Let me just say this. I think um, all of us have our favorite teachers and our favorite people we go to, and, and I get it. But I, I can honestly say this, that any one of those teachers that you listen to, if you had to phone them tomorrow and go, you know what, I'm just not gonna read this for three months, I'm gonna focus on scripture. If that person is a good teacher of the Bible, they will encourage you. <laughs> And not be like, well, I think you should supplement it with my 10-day program. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm being silly. Because all I'm doing, this is what I'm asking us to read. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, for conviction, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every